This podcast is being powered by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey y'all, welcome back to Mentally a Badass. Today, my guest, his name is Steven, and he's from Colorado, and which is awesome that we're going to be talking about his experience as an assistant principal at a charter school, which I'm super excited because I've actually been wanting to talk to somebody in the school system about mental health, but I haven't really found anybody, but I think this is just meant to be. So, um, so yeah, Steve, if you want to just like introduce yourself, um, you know, I technically already did, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, if there's like any introduction you want to do, um, we're looking to do that. But if not, you can just kind of like jump in and just talk about um, your journey with mental health as like in the school system and being an assistant principal. I believe he wants to talk about your journey, correct? Yeah, no, that sounds great, Justine. And um, I think you did a good job of the introduction. Um, yeah, I am I am an assistant principal for a charter school here in Denver, Colorado. Um, I'm from California. Um, and uh, from Redondo Beach, where I also was a uh, assistant principal at a different charter network out there in California. But yeah, I think, you know, in listening to your podcast, um, I'm excited to kind of talk about the mental health piece in education, because um, like you kind of framed here, I think it is super important. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm super excited to like when we talk about later on the conversation about like the resources, like in depth. Because I like I even told you, like when we were talking on Instagram, when I was in high school, I didn't have any resources, like inside resources. I did see a therapist that my mom took me to because I'm just super like happy that I was able to have that privilege that my parents were able to afford to bring me to therapy um, when I was having like my uh, my basically my mental breakdowns in like um, high school. And I just like, came to my mom and I literally came to my mom and I was like, hi, mom, I'm very sad. <laughs> and then she's like, okay, we'll get you a therapist. Um, but yeah, there's, from my knowledge, there's really nothing that, that we had in high school. I mean, we had like a guidance counselor, of course, if they, you know, if you like need to go to them for certain things, but, um, and of course they had like the bullying, like pictures throughout the school or whatever, <laughs> but there wasn't really anything to really think about it. Um, we did have like a girl empowerment club, but no one, it wasn't really like led pretty well because not really many people joined it but but yeah so um what would you like to talk about first do you want to talk about your personal journey or would you like to talk about the resources up to you yeah (laughs) um well maybe i'll just share a little bit of context for me i think that'll be useful um you know obviously we all walk around with biases so i'm definitely going to be a little biased just from my own experience so um i'll share some of that and then yeah I, i would love to obviously like you kind of prefaced here share a little bit about my perspective as someone who's in the school system and has been for just near a decade here. And um, yeah, we could dive into that. But, you know, in thinking about my own mental health, um, you know, I'm someone who has struggled with depression and anxiety for a pretty decent amount of my life. I would say maybe consciously for a lesser amount, um, but definitely at least underlying for, for the majority of my life. And I think um, now as, as, as an adult, um, and as someone who leads young people, I've, I've taken it upon myself to really dig into that space and and just try to become a lot more self-aware. So, you know, I think all of the normal things, I know you and I have talked about this, but, you know, things like self-talk and, and finding outlets through art and meditation, um, and gratitude journaling. I think those are all things that have been really, um, helpful for me. Um, and then, you know, in my role as an assistant principal, so much of my work now is is really helping those that I serve in my leadership to, to try to, you know, find ways to promote and sustain their own mental well-being. And, and that's really the work. 
you know, I oftentimes get asked from people outside of education, like, oh, you're an assistant principal. What does that actually mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, you know, so much of the work is, sure, the nuts and bolts, right, and, and content and curriculum and making those decisions. But so much of, of how I kind of see the work is whether it's, you know, teachers or leaders that I'm coaching or students that I serve. I, I spend much of my time, I would say at least 60 to 70% of my time on a daily basis is really just spent connecting and, and kind of caring for others and helping them find tools to promote their own mental health. Because I think if we are, if we're assuming that our teachers and our, and our leaders have all the strategies already in place, we're, we're fooling ourselves. So I think there's yeah. still a ton of work to be done, even with the adults that are leading our children on a daily basis. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's like really nice to hear that you try, you spend a lot of your time connecting with students. Um, when I, like, honestly, when I was in high school, I didn't really have a relationship with my assistant principal or principal. Um, we didn't really, didn't really do anything with they'll like put a hand out and like, hey, let's talk or this or that. And they're, they're mostly focused on like the disciplinary part of it. Sure. Um, the, the but I did have a teacher in high school was my chorus teacher who truly cared about his students and he really did get me through a lot of my heart like hard times and such I literally took chorus every single year of high school for two reasons one I like singing it's an easy a and then all but mostly like I loved my teacher there I really looked forward to going to that class just because of that and his like his care for his students and his like personality and how he makes it so much fun. And it literally wasn't just a class for me. He was probably maybe the first authority figure, I I guess, um, mentor wise that I really looked up to. And I even like, I remember, I don't know what I was upset about that one day, but I was like bending to him. And then one thing that he told me that really stuck with me is that he was like, just, he was like, just seeing you are in high school, you are in a fishbowl. And then once you graduate, then that's where you're going to go into the ocean and just wait until you graduate from this fishbowl. You're going to see so many different experiences and your whole life is going to be so different. And then whatever's happening right now is truly not going to matter. And, you know, at that time, I was a teenager and like, I didn't really like think in that way. And now as an adult, I do think that way. But now I like truly understand what he meant. For me, like I grew up in a small town in New Jersey. And to be completely honest, there's this thing was pretty big still there. Um, I currently live in Orlando, Florida right now where they're more open. I work for Disney. So Disney is open to like, you know, all things and diversity. And I truly feel cared for with my like my leadership team. Um, I, I, I honestly speak about my mental health with them. Like, so like, I don't, I feel super comfortable. Like I literally walk into their office and like cry with them. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm with them. Like they wouldn't cry, but like, I feel like I can talk with them. Yeah. And I, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much with that. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful that I had it in my life, but I, I can probably go on and on like my school <laughs> with the school system in, in my hometown area that it really didn't have like the resources that it should have had, um, should have had. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just see, it's interesting that you, that you bring that up because I think you and I just from, you know, the way you've described your school experience and your hometown, I think we grew up in very different areas and settings and I would also be willing to say that the school systems maybe on both ends didn't do a great job in terms of, you know, preparing um, the young people that are on campus on a daily basis in their social emotional learning. Like for me, I grew up in Redondo Beach, California, and um, it's Southern California. It's, it's very liberal. It's very open mm-hmm. to having these conversations around mental health and um, it's it's a pretty affluent area. Like I grew up with a ton of privilege and a white male. So I, I also grew up with with that privilege that I just walk around with on a daily basis. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, there's there's definitely this belief that like, in my mind anyway, for mental health in schools, that it's just a, a another instance of kind of like the haves and have nots, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's honestly largely pretty true. Um, 
And, you know, like I said, growing up in Redondo Beach, largely affluent area, really strong school system. Um, and I've also spent most of my time as a professional in education in Title I schools. Um, in Title I schools, if you're unfamiliar, it's, it's basically, in summary, like the government is supporting those lower income students that make up a student population through things like, you know, free and reduced lunch or limited school fees mm -hmm. or, or whatever it might be. And I, I think it's just important to note that you know, both the schools that I attended as a student in Redondo Beach and then also the schools that I've been a part of the community as a professional, I, I think no one at either of those school communities would say that they've, you know, figured it out, if you will, when it comes to mental health and social emotional learning for kids. And I think that honestly is regardless of socioeconomic status or neighborhood that the school exists in, I think honestly just across the board, you know, that we're not doing enough. Um, yeah. And, you know, having said that, I think I now, especially, I'm just so fortunate to work with and serve some just amazing teachers. So I just want to name, but I don't think that this is like a, a skill gap or a will gap for the majority of educators. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I would probably argue the opposite, right? Teachers and in school communities in large part, they know that social emotional learning is vital and, and that it needs to be improved. Um, mm -hmm. I don't really think there's any need or, or even room for a debate there. But what I will say, you know, especially now, like in a global pandemic, our, our teachers are heroes. However, yeah. they're, you know, they're heroes that are underfunded, underappreciated, overworked in just so many instances. So, you know, while it's definitely the want is there and the understanding of the importance of social emotional learning is there, I think honestly, you know, where I'm where I am in Colorado, we're, you know, in the bottom 10% of um, funding uh, for schools in our state. We just need more funding. Um, that's definitely one. And I would also argue that we just need more student voices at the, um, you know, like the proverbial table. Um, it, we, we can't have adults making decisions on a daily basis, um, that are going to affect students unless we're getting student input. Uh, yeah. Right. And, it, you know, I think, you know, if we think about 2020, which, you know, arguably one of the worst years of my life anyway, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's pretty much for everybody, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, not everybody. I've heard some some people have like for personal things they've had like good luck with things, but sure. majority, I think I think we can all share the the universal thing with the whole like pandemic yeah. and all of that. We can share that, Definitely, right? Tons of silver linings, I think. Right? Like, gosh, I I'm so grateful and fortunate to like have a place to live and have a really great partner. Yeah, I've been very lucky for me, too, that I didn't get laid off. There was, like, 20-something thousand people from Disney that got laid off, wow. um, and I wasn't one of them. But what, you know, <laughs> what, I, what I was, you know, what I'm getting to here is ultimately, like, I think if we've as we've seen, like, these huge human rights movements and, and you know, Black Lives Matter, whatever it may be, um, if we've learned anything, it's, it's really that our young people are the catalyst for change, right? And, Definitely. and I think like working at a school more and more on a daily basis, honestly, I, I think I, what, I'm, what I've learned is that as an adult, I just kind of need to get the hell out of the way. Young people lead the way. There's great ideas there, there as a sounding board and for guidance. But I honestly think the same could be said as we think about social emotional learning, right? Obviously, we're we're professionals as educators. We've been in this, and and our heart is in the right place. But if we're not getting input from students, I just I can't see a world where we start to turn the corner here for more effective social emotional learning strategies and programs across across our country. Yeah, definitely. I, I do like how you put that in perspective. It's like how you said like we need to move out of the way we're there for guidance but we need the students the one to actually have the ideas and have a voice and i was just going to bring up that there were actually these people who approached me they just had like a new app it was a mental health app um i forgot exactly what they what it did i can i, can, I think it was like working like um like a social media thing 
Um, but yeah, it was a new app. And then they reached out to me on Instagram asking to like interview me because I do like I'm a mental health advocate. And I guess they just want to like have a conversation with me. And then so I got on a Zoom call with them and then realized that they actually are like fresh out of high school and somewhere in high school. Hmm. So I thought that was extremely impressive yeah. that these people were stepping forward and decided to build this app. They built it in quarantine. Yeah. And I was talking to these people and I didn't like realize, like I did not realize what great, like that, that, that they were like under 18 or like just 18 because the way they like talk and the way they like how mature they are and present themselves. I thought they were like, I don't know, like around my age, but they did look really young. So it was kind of like a thing where they look young and they could be in high school, but the way that they like present themselves makes it seem like they're around like my age. Yeah. So I thought that was impressive that these kids are doing that. That sounds weird. Me saying kids, like I'm, <laughs> like I'm at this point in my life where I'm saying that now. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think you know on a daily basis, um, and obviously we've we've been in a remote kind of teaching and school space for quite some time here over a year. Um, but, you know, on a daily basis, when I have the chance to talk to kids, I, I think I feel pretty similar to what you just described, really just taken aback. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's really easy to get into kind of like this, um, you know, get off my lawn type mindset as uh, as, as an adult. I, I feel like that in my apartment complex and people are like so loud outside yeah. and like I had one person like blasting I'm working from home now and I had I had this one guy like blasting his music in his car like if it's a block party kind of thing and I, I'm patient you know but after like 20 something minutes and I had to like I take calls and stuff so I need to be on the phone with people I had to go outside and be like hi can you like turn it down <laughs> yeah and I'm so awkward doing that because it's just like oh god I'm hitting that part of my life right now yeah the tables have turned for sure <laughs> uh I mean the guy was like my age too like he wasn't a kid yeah. yeah he was just not really being you know courteous and kind of being a little disrespectful but yeah that's another thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think like honestly though right I mean if we have that mindset of like you know let's I guess we could just coin it today, the get off my lawn mindset. Um, I, if we have that mindset, then I think it's really hard for us to like really give young people an opportunity to lead. But I think once we do step back, I would say pretty often you're going to kind of feel and see what you described, right? I mean, we've never had a generation of young people that have more resources to information and exactly. it's not an opinion, right? Like that's just fact. And if, yeah. if we if we just kind of sweep that under the rug and don't capitalize on that, I think it's a huge miss for our for our country, for for our generation. I think it's a huge miss to just kind of walk that back and not lean into just the immense amount of information and knowledge that our young people are exposed to on a daily basis. Yeah. And social media is literally so powerful. And. Also, like like you said with the whole like having access to resources, like they literally can just have an Alexa and just like ask, oh my God, I'm next to my Alexa. I don't want her to say anything. Um, <laughs> and just like ask a quick question and like they'll get their answer. And it's just like they have all of these resources when they can literally like, like I said, with those people, the, the people from high school, like they were building an app. Like That's insane. Yeah. I, I I always want to do an app, but I don't know how to build an app. I'll have to hire somebody, and that's super expensive. Yeah, yeah. I have all these like app ideas for mental health, but I haven't like actually done it or anything like that. I just I'm the kind of person where I have so many ideas and projects, but I need to like take a step back and be like, okay, I need to like take a step back. I need to write things down and actually like know how I'm gonna go about it. Like I'm literally thinking about hiring like a for like could I do YouTube too and I've been like haven't been posting because I haven't been really inspired but I have some YouTube friends who are actually they're starting to hire assistants wow <laughs> yeah so and I was like I don't know if I could afford an assistant you know? yeah. <laughs> because my life is so crazy right now like I have so many things that I'm doing and I still put more on my plate just because I don't know I'm just yeah. like that but now I'm like okay I need to stop now yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking about like hiring like an assistant for like four hours a week or something like like you know something small mm -hmm. and, like and plan out like what we're gonna do in like those four hours for like YouTube related stuff 
But yeah, get, going off topic maybe again. Maybe you can get that guy <laughs> who's playing the music too loud. It'll kind of kill two birds with one. Oh my god, right? Oh, I know. So definitely perfect person. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I think. Yeah, and I mean, we could probably talk about young people for for quite some time here. But you know, just just one thing I I do want to say, I think in talking about, you know, like our current generation of, uh, you know, 18 and under, let's say, um, it's just so interesting. I think one thing that is, you know, funny as you think about like at the school level, and I was, I was actually on a phone call a couple of weeks back with one of my former students who's now um, going to graduate from UC Berkeley. And she's, she's a badass. I, I, I heard on, <laughs> on a daily basis. Um, but I was joking around with her because, you know, she's like advocating for, you know, Black Lives Matter. She's advocating for women's rights. She's advocating for so many things that are just like so close to home. And she's out and yeah. doing it. And at the same time, she's like nervous to give a presentation in her class. And I think. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm kind of like that, too. It's just lie. so funny to me that like this generation are like fearless courageous if it, it you know if it's like a mental health issue or for, or if it's um you know a human rights issue like this is the generation that gets out in the streets and makes change and then they'll need to present like a marketing project and they're like oh i don't know i don't know if i could do this so i think it's just an interesting kind of dynamic that exists it's true that's literally me too like i'm like very vocal on social media i'm like courageous about opening up for like my own mental health and I like do all these projects and things but like if you put me in like a classroom and do a presentation I'll be like stuttering and nervous and I'll like about to like pass yeah. out or I have it oh my goodness yeah that is literally <laughs> me too I don't I don't know I, I don't really know I, I guess because we know we're getting graded on something so we get nervous. yeah maybe I mean, if you compare the two, though, right? Like, I don't know. A and this is coming from an educator, right? Like, a, a, a probably the the PC answer here is like, it's really important that you learn everything and all your classes and absorb all the knowledge. But really, I mean, school is is for that at some level, but largely, it is for like developing who you are going to be as a human being and really like figuring that mm -hmm. out for yourself. So, you know, it's just it's something that I, that I think is interesting. And, um, but yeah, it, it very well, maybe it is just the grade thing. You might be right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the other thing too, is that like people, like they know they're being watched or know they're being like judged for a grade. And then also like for a marketing thing, if you're pitching something to like a higher up, that's another thing too. It's like, you know, they're watching you, like, you know, like if it, if you don't do well, then it's like, it's not going to work out. And like, it's just like also like the fear of rejection mm. And like the fear of a bad grade when we're out here being like, you know, courageous and doing this and this and this, I guess it can be like fear that it's not going to work out. But it's just like, I feel like a whole different idea and concept of that. I mean, I do know also like for me, putting myself on the Internet, like I know I'm going to get like hate comments and stuff like that. Like I one of my TikToks went viral and it had to do like during the election time because I'm really I was really vocal around the election mm -hmm. time. And I would get the opposite party attacking me on um, on TikTok. And I literally had probably like hundreds of like comments of like people bashing me. Yeah. And honestly, like I didn't really care about that TikTok because it was just like, I know they're going to, if they're on the opposite party, obviously they're going to disagree with me and then bash me and stuff. But some of the comments were kind of funny. The, the TikTok was just me saying like, I'm Cuban and like I'm not a Trump supporter kind of thing. I know a lot of Cubans mm -hmm. are. And then some people told me to get on a raft and go back Jeez. to Cuba. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm not even born there, oh. but okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just like funny comments. Yeah. I mean, but, I'm yeah. glad that you're that you're letting it just kind of like roll off your back. But you know, I, I think like those we could probably have a six hour podcast <laughs> talking about hate comments and politics oh. and all of those. <laughs> oh my god I like try so hard to like oh my gosh so many of my so many of my episodes that I've recently have recorded I keep accidentally bringing politics <laughs> in accidentally because there was two people that were in different countries yeah. so I was really curious to see how they see yeah. us and I was like oh boy I'm bringing politics in again it's just I'm very curious yeah. like 
Like, how do you look? Like, how do you see us? Yeah, I mean, it's a fair question. And honestly, like, you know, I joke around that we could probably talk about politics forever, but it, you know, it's also a privilege uh, not to talk about politics, right? Because I think like for me, you know, obviously in, and I'll share my, my politics. I'm, I'm not a Trump supporter. <laughs> um, oh, that's really <laughs> my political leanings here. Uh, that would be a yeah. little awkward the rest of the podcast. <laughs> um, well, I'm assuming you wouldn't have said I'm a Trump supporter, like, like towards the end. Yeah. And like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the kind of person to hate on Trump supporters. Like some of my friends are Trump supporters. I'm not the kind of person, like if you're a Trump supporter, we're not friends ever again. Especially if I have a like a history with history of friendship with that person, um, I just don't talk about it. I ignore their post. I just turn a blind eye. But it's like then there's like the people who are. I feel like there's a difference between a Republican, a Trump supporter, and a cult mm. follower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that's true. I think like you know what I've been wrestling with for the last four years, right? Is how do I you know, stand up for the people, for the people who are adversely affected by the last four years by our presidency and by racism and by ableism and sexism, right? Whatever, whatever ism you want to choose, because I, you know, like I said at the beginning, like I, I'm white facing male who walks around with a ton of privilege. And I think, you know, in talking yeah. about politics, it always, it always makes me think about like, yeah, it would be easier to just not talk about politics with someone. And really, regardless of who's president, I'm not going to be negatively affected in so many spaces. So like, I think, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're talking about politics on this podcast, because like, you know, it's, it's kind of our duty to, to do that and to, to not. Yeah. Um, you know, Justine, the other day you asked me about um, like perfectionism and mm -hmm. You know, I've I've been kind of like on a journey of self-awareness in regards to just just my professional career and my personal life. I think like self-awareness is something that I've really been trying to lean into. Um, but ever since you had like talked about perfectionism a little bit, I've been thinking about like, when did my perfectionism start? It's been just like a, a pretty crazy week to think about that. Um, I, you know, I was thinking about it um, as recently as this morning, um, and I identified that I think, honestly, my perfectionism started when I was in Little League. <laughs> but I thought, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I mean, I don't know, I don't know how much you identify as like a perfectionist at any level. <laughs> oh, I'm not at all. Well, like, if I was a perfectionist, we would literally have like okay, question here is going to be this to this. Like, I would look, like, honestly, my podcast is like, okay, this is a topic. This we're going to talk about. And then we just yeah. go with the flow. And you know what? There's going to be times where I'm going to go all over the place. And sometimes I'm going to say, um, and this and this and this. But I'm not going to stress myself over yeah. that. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I'm not a perfectionist oh, at all. I mean, you. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like, no, I'm yeah. not. <laughs> I, honestly, I honestly think that like at some like everybody in my mind anyway and maybe this is the mind of a perfectionist but in my mind I feel like most people walking around uh, on a daily basis are walking around with perfectionist tendencies um and like I honestly there's probably some that like we're unaware of right like I, I think for me you know, and I was talking about Little League, I'll share a little bit about that. But I think for me, like, my version of perfectionism shows up in kind of like tying my product, whatever that is, right, like a project at work or a conversation that I'm having or an at bat in Little League, um, or since I'm old now and at bat in like a co-ed softball game, um, whatever it is, like tying that product to my self-worth and like to the value that I bring. I think that's where perfectionism comes up for me. And like, you know, that little league example, right? Like it was, it was a cycle and it would just compound um, on, on each other over and over again. Right. Like I, okay, I'm going to play a baseball game. Maybe I strike out. I'm really upset because I'm tying that product, the strikeout to my self-worth. So I throw my helmet in the dugout. Now I'm embarrassed. I go out and play defense and I make an error. Right. And I think like it just, mm -hmm. it really compounds. And I think, 
you know, today when I'm at work, for instance, I'm a lot more aware of this tendency. Uh, and I've done a lot of work in trying to like recognize when it's happening, right? Like what does my body feel like? What am I thinking about when I am tying product to self-worth and when it's not going well? Um, so, I, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work to really be able to identify it. And then obviously the goal there is to consciously kind of choose to respond differently. Uh, but I would, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would say it still happens weekly um, to where, you know, I roll out, uh, I don't know, an initiative at work and someone says like, oh, did you forget about this? And I'm like, well, I guess, you know, <laughs> I guess I'm not worthy to be in this spot anymore. Right. Like those are like the first thoughts that come into your head. Um, so yeah. I think that has definitely been a struggle um, as we steer this podcast back to mental health and away from politics. But like that, that is definitely something that's front of mind for me on a daily basis. I, I think for me, I don't like, I'm not a perfectionist, but I do have like a really unhealthy obsession with like, I mean, being productive, being productive is good, obviously, but like, I feel like I always need to be productive in a way. And I like always pack my schedule or if, I feel like if I'm not being productive, that I'm just wasting my life kind of thing. Um, and then it just burns me out. And but also it's kind of like part of mania too. like for me, I, I couldn't even list the amount of stuff that I do. So like, I do this podcast. I do YouTube. I work full time. I sell wine with one hope and I fundraise. Um, what else do I do? I had a whole list and everything. Oh, I drive Uber Eats, which I'm gonna do later tonight to make some, you know, extra money. Um, I did I was doing writing, but i I kind of like threw, I put that in the back burner. Advocate um, for above the stigma. Exactly. Advocate for above the stigma. And if we can do that mentorship program, I really would love to do that, yeah, by the way. Yeah. Um, that's definitely something I want to build. Um, yeah, so that too. And so like today, oh, I'm also in school. Why do I keep forgetting that? I'm in school. I, well, I think it's just because I take one class. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm in school for social media. Um, I have a um, for social media graduate certificate um, for Uni um, University of Florida. So yeah, I'm doing that. And right before I got on this um, recording with you, I was doing my homework. Mm -hmm. So like, and then before my homework, I was on a call with a zoom call with like two of my really good friends who are YouTubers to like, basically talk with each other and like hack each other up. And we're gonna do weekly calls to get to be basically be like, accountability people, uh, accountability partners that are like actually, you know, pumping out those YouTube videos and being productive. And then before that, I was recording another podcast. And then before that, <laughs> I, what did I do before that? I was Marathon. promoting the podcast. I can't, yeah, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just always doing something. And I don't know. I, I like being busy, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I just think another thing too, is that I'm choosing to go off the non-traditional way of career. Like for me, I, I have, a I have a degree in psychology. I went to Rome University and I graduated with a degree in psychology. Um, but I didn't move forward to like get my master's and go down that route. Um, more because, well, a couple of reasons. One, I don't want to get into debt. <laughs> and then um, two, I like have my own issues where I, and I'm also super empathetic. So I feel like if I'm like, I can obviously be there for people and advocate and like, you know, help them and stuff like that and listen to them. But like, I don't want to put myself in a professional setting where I don't want it to like, I say the wrong thing or backfire. So I, I don't know who I'm going to come across. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's very, it's very serious. And I just don't want to put myself in that position where I'm going to accidentally cry with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not professional. And I have to like, for me, I like the casual way of me talking to people, being there for them. If I cry with them, I cry with them. Like, but for if I was being a therapist or a psychiatrist, I kind of have to put myself on stop and make and they have to be talking to me. Like I can't like share things, you know what I mean? Like it'd be unprofessional. I mean, like I can share in a certain way, but like you have to be careful how you talk to them. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Heavy and, work for sure. Yeah. So that's where I just feel like I wouldn't do well in that career path it's because I know who I am and I know that I wouldn't be a good therapist mm -hmm. I could be a good person to like talk to and ment and like mentor and like help you get through and stuff and relate but I don't feel like I should be put in a position where 
I would be like, if I'm a sit inside psychiatrist, like giving people the wrong medication or like misjudging or, you know what I mean? Like it, it can be very dangerous and I just don't trust myself enough to do that. So I went off of that. And then with Disney, I actually were, okay, so this is actually really funny. Um, I started working for Disney on the Disney college program and I literally applied for the program just like for like, I was just like, oh, I'm not going to get it. Cause at that time I had, I had a, I had a low self, like a really low self-esteem around that time. Mm-hmm. So I just like applied and I'm like, I'm not going to get it. Like it's Disney and it's like a competitive program. Like I, I'm not good enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I literally like, you know what? It's not going to hurt to apply, you know? So I just put in the application and then I took a nap because college and then I woke up (laughs) and then I woke up to an email saying that I was moved to the next round and the next round is the web-based interview. So I made sure I went to the library because I don't trust the Wi-Fi, the college Wi-Fi, (laughs) because if that thing crashes, it's like you're out. Like they actually don't have any exceptions for that. Yeah, I've heard that people have internet crash and they will like call and ask and they'll like say no um so i made sure i went to the library to make sure i had a good connection so i took that and then after i took the test it's like oh you move into the phone interview and i'm like whoa i'm like i made it to the last round what <laughs> so i i scheduled my phone interview and then i made sure i drove home for the weekend it was like two hours from the school I drove home for the weekend because I don't trust my roommates that they're going to come in like and start screaming. You know what I mean? And so I went home and I told my parents, I was like, guys, can, can you guys like not be in the house between this hour? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I want to make sure like it's, you know, I think that's what like, the, the perfectionist kind of came out is that like, I'm the kind of person where I guess I will have that mindset if I know like, okay, this is my time. Like I can't mess this interview up. You know what I mean? Cause this could be a really cool opportunity. So I did the interview and then about a week later, they were, they emailed me and they said, I'm accepted. And I was like, I literally, I was in Walgreens at the time. And I literally get the email and I started freaking out in the, in the aisle. Wow. And yeah. And then I called my dad. I called my mom first, but she didn't answer. I called my dad. I was like, dad, I got into the college room. He's like, really? I was like, wow, thank you. Thanks, dad. <laughs> and, um, and then my mom was like, you know, my mom was like happy for me, but also kind of sad at the same time because, like, she was like, "Oh crap, she's gonna move to Florida." And you know, my mom is like a mom, and she's like, "Oh man, she's gonna be all the way in Florida." And um, so I was like, you know, I had to really think about it, and I was like, "Okay, but I also want to graduate on time because I have to take a semester off." So I like I talked with like my advisor, and like we had to do a certain plan for me to like graduate on time. So I ended up still graduating in four years, which was really nice. And then I went to Florida and I did a college program and I just like fell in love with the company and it's just such a unique company to work for. And honestly, and then like getting into the college program, I think like usually around like 20,000 people apply apparently. And then like only like four, four to 5,000 get in. So I know. So I was like, I feel kind of cool, you know? And I really, that really boosted my self-esteem like by a lot. I was like, wow, I'm actually above average in a way. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I'm wondering, you know, Justine, like, as you, as you talk about that, like, I, I am, you know, I hear some of, like, what I was describing even come up a little bit, like, you know, like, even how like that can, like, boost self-esteem, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I just think that, like, no, that's great. what I mean. Like, I think we all walk around with some level of, like, perfectionist tendencies, especially, right? Like for you, that was something that you were like really passionate about. And then for me, right, in education, like that's something I'm super passionate about. So I think that's great. And I think that's also a trigger for perfectionist tendencies to kind of pop up because if you don't care about it, then who cares how it goes? But if you do care about it a ton, then I think like that's where you could fall into the trap of like, well, if this doesn't go well, then I guess I'm not enough, you know? So it's, it's daily work. All of that said, it's, it's daily work for me anyway, to, to be, yeah. to be in a place where like, you know, I just understand and know that I am enough regardless of what I'm doing at work, what I'm doing in my personal life, what, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, I was going to the part where, oh, how like I became obsessed with being productive kind of thing. Mm. So I work. So, yes, I mean, I do work for Disney and I, you know, I love the company, but I'm not like 
crazy about the nine to five lifestyle. <laughs> to be completely honest, I feel like I'm more of an entrepreneurship mindset. Um, and so, yeah, so, I mean, I discovered, I'm like, okay, I love Disney. I want to work, work for that company. And I was completely content with that mindset. But then now like being working like two years being full time, I'm realizing, okay, I, I can't do the nine to five kind of lifestyle. Like I still, honestly, I would still want to work for Disney as like a part-time gig just like to still be a part of that community. Cause it's honestly a phenomenal community. And I know a lot of people will like literally die to work for this company. And I know I'm super privileged and very lucky that I able to work for such a great company. So I don't ever want to like actually leave the company. I just don't want to be doing a typical office job. And that's just me personally. I know everyone's different, but for me, like I like to work on projects. I like to basically be building something from the, the bottom and up and then also I do like love the idea of passive income (laughs) and then also being able to like make my own schedule and be flexible with traveling and then I also have my family my all my family lives in New Jersey like my 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 parents my sister my niece my nephew they all live in New Jersey and then like with my job like I only have so many days off from work and it's really it can be hard for me to like visit my family Mm. And so if I can able to like be more flexible in my schedule and work on my own, like my own time kind of thing, then I can visit my family more because I realize like living here in Florida, like there's been times where like I really miss my family and I feel a little lonely. And it's like, I mean, I have friends here, of course, and my coworkers and such, but being a like, there's a good um, period of time that I was like away from my family for like six months because of the pandemic. And then like, it started getting to me. And I felt really lonely. And but if I'm able to like, have that time, I can kind of get the best of both worlds. I can still see my family a lot. I can still live in Florida, because I don't like living in Jersey because I hate the cold. (laughs) I hate the cold. I love Florida. I love the state. I honestly want to move to California, but like it's so expensive. (laughs) Uh, but but yeah that's pretty much like the reason why I I feel like I have to be like literally grinding all the time to get where I want to be because like what I want to achieve to be like self-employed entrepreneur is like not easy you know what I mean yeah and I mean great for you just in that like you have figured out you know at some level anyway like what it is that you want to (laughs) do I think a lot of people haven't haven't even got that far so the grind you know in that regard will definitely be worth it yeah. And then some people even like my family, I'm saying my family members, but like just a lot of people who just don't get what I'm doing. I mean, in the beginning, I think people probably thought I was wasting my time. Mm. Um, Could I start doing YouTube in 2016? And that's kind of when I discovered it that I love content creating. I love social media. So that's like really where it started. Um, But now I'm just like doing other things. And like I said, my, my podcast is does help me a little bit with finances well it just started but like not really but (laughs) um yeah it's just like a lot of I just want to have like basically my goal in life is to have multiple streams of streams of income and to be able to live life to fullest pretty much (laughs) and I think you know there's I know we started talking about like education system and schooling and all of those pieces and you know I, I don't think it is I don't think it is surprising that you and a lot of people that graduate from schools in the United States feel pressure to do that nine to five style career, right? Like, I mean, ultimately that's kind of like what we're trained to do. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So, you know, I think maybe, maybe less so now, I think, especially in a time of this pandemic when, we are seeing just the huge benefits of technology and maybe that's opening the eyes of some of the people in charge at, at school systems across the country. But, you know, I think that is not surprising. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I do feel like it is, it is changing a lot. Cause I think a lot of people, especially, I think maybe it's changing more. This is like my idea of it is that a lot of people are, a lot of people on social media are like entrepreneurs and, with the whole generation of people going viral on social media and then the, all the opportunity of making a passive income, it's just like, I mean, let's talk about these TikTokers <laughs> <laughs> that these people are just literally like, these we're just teenagers on TikTok in high school, just having fun on social media. Now they're millionaires. Yeah. And I just think that people want that because I mean, who doesn't want to like, obviously make TikToks for a living and then like, <laughs> 
you know i mean like yeah but um a lot and also youtubers too like people make that a living and it's just it's really fun and it's very fulfilling you know and it's like it's like you have creative control and you can you you, literally the sky is the limit and you can do whatever you want kind of thing and then like make a living off it and i feel like that's everybody's dream but then also i feel like but then people also have to understand that it's not easy. Like I've been literally doing YouTube since 2016, busting my butt and I haven't really gotten like where I want to be. It's fine. I'll, you know, it's, it'll come when it comes. I'm just still working on it. I'm not giving up. And it's been like almost, it's been like almost five, five years. I think I've been on YouTube. Um, yeah. So it's just, people want a certain lifestyle, but also like people like they, like they, I know they want it, but it's just like, they have to understand that it's also like, really yeah. hard like super hard yeah unless you get lucky like charlie d'amelio on tiktok <laughs> then it's <laughs> yeah i mean there's definitely that's such a small percentage right <laughs> yeah no she just got super yeah. lucky i mean not like no she's not talented she just got really lucky yeah. i mean 100 million followers <laughs> well well like i wish i could just come famous randomly over doing the running yeah i mean i to be fair i have like probably 150 followers on Instagram. So it's pretty similar. So I, I mean, I get it. It's, I have just as much fame. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hey, it took me a lot to get my 1400, <laughs> which I lost a follower today. So 1399. Oh, no. oh, man. Um, you know, I was thinking about, and I, and I don't necessarily have an answer, but I, you, you know, you asked me about like, what are the hopes for like mental health and social emotional learning in schools? I think the, mm-hmm. the real answer is like, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily know where to go. Um, I, I think it's not a decision that one person's going to make, but like a few things that I was thinking about as we talk about like funding and I, you know, my, the wheels are turning now wondering around like, you know, how do we tap into social media? And maybe that increases funding at some level. But I think, you know, Mm -hmm. student-led initiatives, I think are going to be number one. That's definitely something, obviously, that we've talked a lot about, even just today on this podcast, and then increase funding. Um, But, you know, I think the biggest thing is, for me, is probably going to be like the, the meshing of content with social emotional learning. I think like right now they live in contrast in so many different spaces, right? Like, and that's just not how it happens in the real world. Like I could be at work, you know, doing my job, doing the content, if you will, and then like be rocked by something social, emotional that comes in. And and I'm not able to like, I can't say like, oh, actually I'm working on content right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's just not how that goes. So I think like that's probably the biggest one that I've, that I've spent time thinking about, like, how do we do a, just a better job and a more efficient job of tying in social emotional learning to every content, to every class? Because I think that is, honestly, that's what real life looks like. It's not, they're not compartmentalized often. Yeah, I was thinking, because um, you know how, like, I think I, I don't know if I, if I asked you this already on Instagram, I really have no idea, but um you know how they have like yeah they have like sex ed health classes and stuff like it would be so nice if they have like a mental health class yeah. you know what i mean like that's something as like mandatory because i mean hey we have physical health class like why not mental health yeah. class as like making it as like mandatory because in my high school we had psychology class and but you it was an elective mm-hmm. and it would be great if it can like be mandatory but i do know like they would have to Obviously, it would be another class we'll have to fund. And I'll have to find somebody who specializes in mental health. Probably has to be, like, um, someone, like, a psychiatrist or a therapist or whatever. I don't really know those logistics of that. But I do – I just feel like it would definitely be, like, valuable to students and beneficial. Um, I just feel like that's, like, part of the stigma is that – and what we say is that mental health is just as important as physical Mm -hmm. health. And it's like, can we like bring that to the actual school system? Because that's like, like starting to learn at an early age is really going to change our, our future. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's where we have to like focus on is the school system because that's where it all starts. Yeah, you're right. And I, and honestly, like, I, I don't even know 
if it needs to be its own class to, you know, so the point I was making earlier, like I think for, here's an example, the, the network that I um, lead and serve in right now um, has a pretty robust advisory program that takes place on a daily basis. And mm -hmm. we have just some amazing teachers and leaders that have built in really intentional social emotional learning opportunities into that advisory space. And sure, it's, you know, it's not the hour long on a daily basis, like, like maybe a class would be, but I think, you know, if, if we're able even to carve out a spot like that on a daily basis to just to even have students answer the question, like, how are you really feeling today? What are you grateful for today? Like, yeah. you know, what, you know, what are the goals for today? Like just some. Yeah, I get that. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that, I think that is probably like a good intermediary um, step and, and something that I, I, like I said, I'm probably a little biased here, but I've, I've seen a lot of good work done at the school that I'm uh, currently working at. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I really do want to take a visit to my old high school and see if anything has changed. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly might do that. Um, oh, wow. We've been talking for 53 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Whoops. So, I mean, we definitely are should have more conversations off the podcast, because I do know we keep going. We're going to be going into like three hours of this podcast. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to end it soon, but is there anything else you want to say before I do that? Like, to the people? To the people. <laughs> um... You know, I think the the one thing or the two things I would say, number one, and I, and I already said this earlier, but I think, you know, I have a, a front row seat on a daily basis to see the work that teachers are doing um, as, as a school administrator. And I think if we gave teachers the opportunity to really, you know, have time and space and funding to lean into social emotional learning for our students, they would jump at that chance. Um, and I, like I said, like I said yeah. earlier, I don't think it's a skill issue. I don't think it's a will issue. I think if it existed, if the time and the space and the funding existed, our teachers are the right people to lead in this. Space. So mm -hmm. I think that's one thing. And then the other thing is just, you know, I think, you know, if, if you are listening and you are an educator or you're a, a parent to a, to a student who's in a school system, I think just like having the conversation and it could start with like, hey, how are you doing? And if the answer is fine, mm -hmm. maybe the next question is, how are you really doing? Or, you know, yeah. a little <laughs> deeper. But I think like those are the two big things for educators, for families, for school communities, just to just to start the conversation. Yeah, that's where it all begins to start in the conversation. Yeah, definitely. Well, I just want to say I really do appreciate you being on here. I honestly think this was such a great conversation. I can't wait to listen to it again. Um, well, when I put it up, I'm going to like listen to my own podcast and be like, oh, this is like really good information. No, seriously, I really think it's great. I think this is a good conversation. I really do appreciate you being here, Stephen. But I am going to end this podcast right here. And thanks so much for listening, everybody. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day, evening, afternoon, wherever you guys are. And I'll probably post every single Saturday at noon Eastern Standard Time. So make sure to look out for the next episode next week. But yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>